Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, folks, ladies, gentlemen, and people. Thanks for joining us today on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. I'm so excited to chat with Jennifer Smith, who is the CEO and co-founder at Scribe. Jennifer, how's it going today? It's good. I'm excited to chat with you, Anthony. Me too. I saw your platform. I'm super stoked about it. I'm happy to hear that you're back in office at your like office setup. So why don't you tell people where in the world are you and what excites you on a day-to-day basis and probably a little bit about Scribe in the process. Yeah, we're based in uh, in downtown San Francisco. This has been my home for the last nine years now. I'm an East Coast native. I've kind of lived everywhere along the Amtrak Acela line. For people who are on the East Coast, they'll know what that means. A lot of nomadic lifestyle, but moved out here and kind of caught the startup bug and, and started Scribe uh, a few years uh, back after uh, investing in uh, in software companies for a while. The thing that gets me out of bed every morning, it's its going to sound cheesy and canned, but it's true. It's its our users and it's our team. I've, I've always been really people-driven. And so to me, it's like, what's the impact of what I'm doing every day on the people around me? And I see that immediately with the group of humans that I get to work with. And I see it when I have user interviews, or I'll tell you the thing that lights me up most is when I get a note at the end of a really long, hard day from a user that says, Hey, I just wanted to reach out and tell you like how much this has helped me today. And I, I just thought I'd like, I'd let you know that I appreciate what you're doing. And like, that makes everything worthwhile for me at the end of the day. Sweet. I love that because startup life kind of sucks sometimes, but it's kind of all worthwhile because there's a bigger thing to do it. And one of the things that was clear to me when you said like, or on your LinkedIn profile, say, Hey, we're hiring for all these roles, but it wasn't we're hiring for all these roles. It was fundamentally like, we're looking for awesome people to like grow us like here, 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 here. And I could, like, I felt it on your side. And so it was just really cool. And it's it's great to see, because I think that's what the world needs more of. So for people who might not be familiar, what does Scribe do and uh, how does it make people's lives better? Scribe makes it easy to share how to how to do something. Think about all the times in your day in which you go to do some digital process and someone's either asking you, hey, Anthony, actually right before this, I was asking you, hey, how do I adjust my microphone? Can you you tell me how to do this, right? And you're trying to talk me through it. We have many of those moments in a given day. And right now there's no standard way to answer that question. How do I do something? Like maybe I send someone an email, maybe I hop on a Zoom with them. Maybe I'm often writing up really lengthy Google Docs or similar and I'm copy pasting screenshots in and I'm putting arrows and I'm trying to explain people how to do something. And so with Scribe, we said, well, what if we can make that automatic? What if we could watch you, the expert, do the thing you know how to do and automatically create step-by-step written documentation with screenshots that show how to do that thing? Like, what if documentation became digital exhaust? It's just the byproduct of you doing the thing that you're great at. And at the end, you automatically have this beautiful guide. Now, when someone asks you, hey, Anthony, can you show me how to? You can just shoot them that scribe. And so it becomes almost like a, a scalable, automatic media of the expertise that you have or your team has that now you can share with other team members as you're onboarding them or with customers as they're having questions or with clients as you're trying to guide them through how to do something. 
So have people used it as a verb yet? Is it at verb stage? Can you scribe yeah, me we've, that? We've had, we've had verbs, you know, scribe that. We've had the noun, send me a scribe. And we've had the adjective, which I was particularly excited about as the extension. Is this a scribable process? Sweet. <laughs> I love that. So maybe, maybe you know you've made it when you're an adverb. <laughs> I, I think so. I think that's the new, uh, you know, Bay Area uh, measure of success if people Probably. are adverbing you. So <laughs> let's make let it me happen ask. here. We talked about you know things that you tell people how to do. So your journey as a consultant, who are you? Tell people what to do, and now as a CEO, where you're largely probably teaching people how to fish, so to speak. What has that transition been like for you as you've moved into, you know, different roles in the quote unquote ladder, but what has your personal experience been in your career trajectory? Yeah. I joke, I'm a a recovering consultant. I spent seven years at McKinsey working with really big banks and and technology companies and a lot of org and ops work, um, perhaps not surprisingly. So literally going into operation centers for eight hours a day and looking over the shoulder of agents and trying to figure out what they did. And I learned as a consultant, at least the name of the game is you go into that ops center and you figure out who's, who's the best person in that ops center and you sit next to them and you just ask them, what are you doing differently? That makes you so good. And they would tell me, you know, they'd say, oh, I was trained to do this. And they'd thump a big manual. I'm dating myself now. This was 15, 20 years ago. They'd thump a big manual on my desk, a binder, right? And say like, this is what I was trained to do. But I found these 30 shortcuts instead, right? And we would write that up in PowerPoint. We'd sell that back to our clients. And I always thought like, gosh, if those people had a way to share what they knew how to do, they could have had really big impact themselves. Like they didn't need some version of me running around with my Lenovo ThinkPad regurgitating it for them, right? And at the time I kind of thought like, huh, that's that seems like a problem someone should solve someday. And I sort of like filed in my head and said, someone else will figure it out, right? And then fast forward, I moved to the Valley, got really interested in uh, in building and investing in, in early stage companies. And so was in venture capital on the enterprise software side and got really curious um, what the buyer's perspective looked like in enterprise software. So I counted when I left, I talked to over 1200 CIO, CTO, CDO type folks at large enterprises. And I was just trying to understand like, what problems are you trying to solve today? What, what technology are you buying? What technology are you evaluating? What do you wish existed on the market? And what was really fascinating to me is, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, I was hearing a lot of the same themes that I had still heard in consulting. People would say to me, like, I've got all of this really valuable know-how on my team and it lives in their heads and it's walking out the door every day at 5 p.m. And I got to hope that it comes back and I try to capture it, but doesn't really work because my only option is to tell someone to take time away from their job and write down what they know how to do, which is not a popular ask. Or maybe I'm hiring some consultant, some version of, you know, Jennifer with the ThinkPad to, to do it for them. But there's a whole bunch of drawbacks to that. Like, I wish there were a better way. And so I looked at that and said, like, gosh, so much time has passed. We've invented so many things. Technology's gotten so much better. Why has technology not solved this really fundamental problem? Like, it's a big part of work. And one of the interesting things that that we see with Scribe is we're solving a problem that people know deep down that they have that problem, but they almost assume it's just a cost of business, right? Oh, I mean, I just assume that, you know, I show up to work and I'm, you know, going to take time to try to figure out how to do something. I'm new to a job. It's just going to take me a while to figure out the way things are done here. And I'm going to have to ask a bunch of people some questions. And those people who've been there for a while are going to take a bunch of their time to answer questions from other people to help them get up to speed. And we sort of assume that's a cost of doing business, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. (laughs) And so I think that the interesting thing for us is like, how do we help do that education and say like, 
you know, there are estimates that say you're spending 20% of your week as a knowledge worker, like finding information on how to do your job. Dare I say that was a McKinsey study. It doesn't have to be one out of every five days, right? There's, there's a better way out there. This is not just a, a hidden cost of doing business. And so for me, it's been really interesting to evolve and going from a world where I felt like I was mostly taking what my clients do and my clients' expertise and, and putting it back to them, you know, in, in kind of like the right structure in the right way to then starting to understand like, what's the bigger picture of what's happening across organizations and like, how are they making, especially like technology decisions and buying decisions as they thought about their overall strategy to now running a company and thinking about like, how do I build a team? How do I build a user base? How do I help educate? our users on their problem and what they're solving and how Scribe can help and how they can think about that value. So it's gone from very much sort of a a looking over the shoulder of people, like quite literally when I first started my career to now I I spent all of my day thinking about how do I empower people to enable others? Um, And so in some ways it becomes like much more indirect, but has much more scale to it. Awesome. Well, I definitely want to ask you about your now CEO life, what you're learning through that as, you know, you've got another 30, 40 years as a CEO. It's interesting that McKinsey study, I think was written by Jennifer Smith. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't just citing yourself, very meta thing to do. Uh, But one of the things that I took away from that is, you know, talking about all of those processes, the people who do it best, they, A, there's the system, then they follow the system. And what I find interesting for me being a consultant and talking about growth pains. So companies trying to get to that next level, I find that companies often live and die by their processes. And then also I think trying to shortcut processes as in, I want to grow. I want that new and exciting thing, but they're trying to escape the fundamentals. So can you speak on your experience, both as a recovering consultant and as a CEO, the importance of being able to fill that communication knowledge gap as a foundation for a company's growth into that next level and stage. Yeah. And I'll break this down based on the stage of company you're at and what you're trying to do, right? So are you in generative phase or are you in scaling phase? Generative phase is where you're still trying to figure out what the heck even works, right? So you're a two-person startup in a garage. You are in generative phase. What does the market even want? Let's figure out how to do this for the first time. And so you want your processes to be incredibly lightweight, maybe almost non-existent because you're just trying so many different things. And the name of the game is to iterate and learn as quickly as possible. Once you start to figure out a nugget of of something that works, it then becomes, okay, how do we start to scale this out over time? And this is where processes become really important. And we feel this a lot, even as a fast-growing company ourselves with internal processes, we'll have people who were part of that two-person in a a, garage back in the day. And they have the attitude of like, oh gosh, we don't need processes, right? That's what slows us down. And, and the truth is actually, as soon as you're starting to scale, processes are what enable you to go faster if you do them in the right way. And so then it becomes about, okay, we figured out something that works and we want to do more of it. How do we codify the understanding, the know-how that we have as a company of the thing that works? And how do we share that across everyone who needs to be doing that work so they can do it in that way and we can now scale much faster? And this is what you see, like especially at much larger organizations, it's really becoming about not just scaling now, but how do you scale at a you know an efficiency and a productivity play as well? And there it becomes about how do you find the pockets of the best way to do things? You can go into a center of you know. 50 50 people doing similar processes, but I guarantee you they found different variations. And anyone who's ever done, you know, 
the sexy world of call center optimization or, or, or any kind of op center optimization will know the name of the game is you figure out what are your top quartile performers look like? What are they doing? And then how do you move everyone else up to that level of performance? And so there it becomes more about how do I find the best way among many ways for doing something, my best know-how, pull that out from people and then be able to translate that across everyone. And so at every stage, it's really like trying to understand what is what is it you're solving for that's unique to the stage of, of company or development, even at that problem level, right? You could be at a really big company, but still doing generative work if it's on you know a new business line or something, right? And then adopting, like, what are the processes to support that at that right stage and and how heavy or light do you need them to be? Yeah, and I really like that, the kind of myth busting because people walk in and say, hey, process slows us down is once you can actually realize that the process, that scalability, that time to deliver that shortens, it, it really does help you get to that next part. We see that from a strategy perspective where people are like, well, we've never done, we just keep growing. Our, our strategy is to sell more and to build, but they've never formalized the strategy process. Once you have that formalized strategy process, you can find the best ways to do things. And then the other thing, Jennifer, that I really liked about what you said was it's from within. So you're not like creating something new. You're just looking at what you have and saying, hey, what's the best way to do it? Let's document it, presumably, in a in a way that works and that's repeatable. And then that's the benchmark and you can kind of take it from all levels, but it has to be, the standard has to be set somewhere. Did I capture that? Yeah, exactly right. And it, just because you mentioned growth, sometimes it's hardest to do that when you're in a high growth environment, but I would argue that's the time where it's probably most important to do this. And I've seen this a lot, you know, more when I was on the VC side, working with a bunch of different companies and, and they'd go from, again, that generative stage to now they're growing really, really quickly and they're getting all this demand. They say, we don't have time to put processes in place. And Growth can mask a lot of sins for a while, right? But but it catches up with you. And, and when it does, it's really painful. And so you would see all of them then start to hit a moment where things would really stall and they would say, oh my gosh, we can't just have a whole bunch of people running around reinventing the wheel every single day, trying to move as fast as possible. Like what we really need to do is standardize on what's the best way or the right way, or at least a common way for us to be doing this thing so that we can ingest new team members faster. We can onboard new customers faster. We can innovate on our processes better once we even understand what they are. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I'm just thinking of a couple of people that I want to send this to because it's, you know, they just want to move fast, but they don't see it. And being a consultant who has the benefit of experience and saying, hey, I've seen this across hundreds of companies. Like I can see the future. You might not know it, but the warning signs are there and kind of ignore it at your peril because then as a consultant, you're kind of like, oh, I told you so. And, but You've seen okay. this movie before and we all know how it ends. <laughs> the question is, are you at the beginning, middle or end of that movie? <laughs> yeah. And are you going to believe me that I've seen the movie before? But that's another story. Okay. So let's, let's segue. And this is a, a sharp segue. As a CEO and as your career, and feel free to answer this as transparently as you like, where have you gotten your butt kicked? Like where was something like, oh man, this is a big lesson that I will never forget that has supported you in really like getting to the level of success that you have. Um, and it could be recent, it could be a little bit ago, anything come to mind that has been really formative in your career? Well, sure. I won't call it quite an epiphany, although it was maybe like a, a months-long, year-long epiphany. And I'll use that word because it did change the way that I, I think about my life and, and what I'm what I'm doing. 
you know, I, I woke up at some time in my early thirties before I started Scribe and I'd, I'd spent my kind of entire career doing the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing and working with people that I, I really liked and admired and learned from. I've always believed in following people. So I just followed like, where are the smartest people in the room that I think I can learn from? And, and that got me into a bunch of great rooms, um, with which I'm really grateful for. But I hit a point in my life where I said, like, I need to take some time Way. I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to ask myself a radical question. What do you want to be doing? <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think matters? <laughs> what will matter to you now? What will matter to you next Monday when you get out of bed? What's going to matter to you at the end of your career, the end of your life, where you look back and say, gosh, I'm dang proud that I did that thing, right? Or at least I tried to do that thing. And I spent a lot of time reflecting on that. And I'm I'm embarrassed to admit that I had never thought to ask myself that question until I was, you know, more than 10 years into my career. But it was a really formative one to me because if you had, you know, sort of said, what does your career trajectory look like before you asked yourself that question? It would have never included founding a company. And, And Scribe is the thing that I'm most happy and most proud of in my career. And the reason that, you know, I came to do this is because when I reflected on that question, I said, you know, I really care about building. Um, I've never, I've never built before, but when I look at the people that, that I admire and sort of say, like, they feel like my tribe of people, you know, they're all builders. And when I think about what I want my legacy to be, I want it to be something that I can say and see my fingerprints on it. Say like, we affected a, a bunch of people in the way that they used our product. And I worked with a great group of humans where hopefully I helped touch their careers as well and help them grow and develop in the ways that they wanted to. And so what does that look like? That looks like at least being part of, if not founding a, a company. So, you know, to, to me, it was, I think the most important thing is like, what are the questions that you ask yourself in your life? Like you can have all the advice in the world and listen to, you know, all, all of these really smart people who have so many wonderful things to say. To me, my my biggest kind of turning points have been when I asked myself the right hard questions and then answered them honestly and then and then followed off on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I mean, it's I don't know, this is anecdotal, but when you ask yourself the truth, the truth takes you in like the right direction. Like you ended up in the right place. If and you might not have known that was the right place because as cheesy as it is, you might have actually like followed your heart and followed your brain to instead of just being reactive to the world around you, putting yourself in a great place to, to support others. So how do you inspire that same questioning, that same reflection, that same ethos now that you're a CEO of this, you know, awesome expanding growing company? Very intentionally um, and very early, even as I meet my potential future teammates. So we've baked it into our our hiring process. We have a whole set of um, company values, one of which is intellectual honesty. I mentioned just because we were just talking about it, the importance of being honest with yourself about you know, if, if I say this, what does this mean that I should be doing? But our, our number one value is be the place where great people come to do the best work of their careers. So there's two parts to that, right? One is find great people. And two is think about how you can create an environment where people can show up and do work that they feel really proud of every day. And to us, that's an environment that's incredibly respectful and collaborative and transparent, but we're also people push each other and challenge each other to grow and do more. So we talk a lot about a growth mindset as a company culture as well. 
And so what that means very tactically for me when I'm meeting potential candidates to hire, and especially when we were growing um, really quickly, we added a, a bunch of people to the team over the last couple of quarters, I probably spent 50 to 75% of my time on hiring. And I would sit down with folks and I'd ask pretty much the same question every time, which is, what is it that you want to be doing? Fast forward X years, pick your X, you know, pick your end number of years. Where do you want to be? What do you want to be able to say that you've done or tried or learned? And the reason that I asked that question is I'm mapping up where we're headed at Scribe, and I'm trying to overlay that with where this person wants to go in their career. And where those, those things overlap is where magic happens, right? Because I view in many ways, my role as CEO is I, I got to get three things right. I got to set an overall vision for the company. I got to obsessively listen to customers. And I got to hire great people and set them free. And so part of the great people and set them free is understanding like, where is it that you want to be going? And are those the kinds of opportunities we can be providing for you here? Because where those things line up is where you get just tremendous growth on all sides for the company side and, and the personal and professional side for the person. And so when I sit down with someone, I feel like, what, what does success look like for you? Imagine, you know, it's the end of your time at Scribe and you say, that was the most formative experience of my life. What has happened? And then, you know, they'll tell me, and sometimes some folks will be able to immediately say it. And other folks will say, gosh, I've never asked myself that question. And I say, well, great. Let's, let's kind of talk through it now. You can think about it a little bit. And then, you know, maybe if you want to give me a call later, here's my personal cell number. We can talk through it more, but I think it's important that you have a sense for what that looks like before we make any kind of decision here. And I've met, I've met folks who will say, you know, Hey, my greatest dream is to be a world-class, you know, computer vision engineer. I'm like, that's a, that's a wonderful goal. Don't come describe. <laughs> we don't, we don't have, you want to go mentor with the best computer vision people in the world. That's not what we're doing here. Right. Like those people are sitting at, at Google. Like, let me go introduce you to three people there where I think that might be a better fit. So I think, you know, having that honest conversation with folks up front to understand like, what is it that you're trying to do and where we try to go and, and where it doesn't work out to me, that's like just as good of an outcome because then you, you help find the right place for that person. And where it does work out, then it's awesome on all sides because as the company grows, people grow and they get to do what they want to be doing. Yeah. I see a lot of people, um, I don't want to say struggling with recruitment and attraction because they're saying, you know, like people are leaving. It's like they've left because they don't see the future there. And either you don't have a future for them or they don't have a future here. And either way, that's great because you need to be okay with that. Two things I also took away from what you shared as we wrap up here. One is your values are a process. They help you make decisions. They're a filter. You've structured the way of being within the framework of how we want to do things, which is, uh, I call it standard, but you're doing it well. And so that's great. And that's what works. And then the other thing I heard out of that is that same process sets you free because you have that intellectual honesty. You have that process. It allows you to play within those constraints, but also contributes to you getting great people. And then what you had share was, Hey, I need to let these people go, like let them run free, but because you're not letting them free willy nilly, you're letting them free within the con constraints, air quotes of your values and your vision. Therefore, anything within that is going to move you forward. So I think that's really, really cool. Anything else you want to add about that? And you're like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredibly liberating and clarifying which, you know, sometimes those, those two things can be at odds, right? But when you're clear about what it is that you value and then the process by which you enact those values, and that can show up in many different ways, then you're not showing up every day asking yourself the question, like, should I X or should I Y? You're saying, okay, given 
given what we know and what we believe and what we've agreed upon, what does that mean we should do? This comes back to that intellectual honesty point as well, right? And so done correctly, it's just immensely clarifying and enabling everyone to be focused in the same direction without having to spend any time like on that base foundation, right? You can now skip three levels up where you can make like much more tactical execution oriented decisions because you've already agreed on the base of of what it is that you're doing or, or what matters most to you. And the same as all processes. So all the more reason to scribe, um, I won't add to adverb it for now, but to get everything on paper. And, and just so you know, the contribution you've made to me as a difference is as we go through our hiring process right now, I'm going to go back, relook at all of our values, even though they're like mine as the CEO and just say like, you know, where can I use this to set me free? So thank you for setting me free, Jennifer. I appreciate it today. Where can people learn more about Scribe? Where can they connect with you? Uh, And if they're great, how can they join your team? That's awesome. You can um, check us out at scribehow.com. There you can try the product. It takes um, literally less than three minutes. We clock this from the moment that you land on our site to the moment you're able to create and share your first scribe. So really, really easy to try the free product and create and share scribes and show people what you know how to do. We can share a, a promo code with the audience if, you, if you'd like to share that with them as well so they can get the uh, the upgraded uh, a discount on the upgraded version. There you'll also find the roles that we're hiring for. Um, so check out scribehow.com slash careers. And you can also uh, reach out to us on any of the socials or any of the emails. We are eminently available. Awesome. Jennifer, thank you so much. It's been a blast. The process will set you free and first it will piss you off. So once you get to that first I think place, we have a tagline. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> awesome. Why? No, I really appreciate it. And I think that there's the, the fundamental, there's so much to take away from this. So I just, I so appreciate the conversation today. Thanks so much, Anthony. This was a ton of fun. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. My guest today, Jennifer Smith, who is the CEO and co-founder of Scribe. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope it does set you and your team free. And like me, uh, hopes allow give you a bit more freedom in terms of bringing great people on and helping them do their best. So I appreciate you watching. I appreciate you listening. And I look forward to sharing with you in our next episode. See you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.